0: Welcome to a Joycast from Joy94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts.
1: This is The Escape Hour with Fiona and Stefan.
0: Good afternoon.
1: We're going to talk travel news. Yes. Now, a lot happens every week in travel news. What's the biggest story that well, you want
0: to talk about? How would you feel waking up on an empty airplane with no lights? No lights, nothing. Nothing. And getting be, a little bit cold.
1: That would be distressing.
0: It is a bit distressing. That's what happened to uh, to some person in Canada with, on an Air Canada flight, and she was um, she fell asleep. Short flight from uh, I think Montreal to Toronto. I think an hour and a half. Fell asleep and woke up.
1: How does that happen?
0: Well, I think they—they they are Air Canada is investigating. That's the, the. But but clearly, the th- don't they clean? I mean, uh,
1: don't they clean the plane at least, or don't they check well, everyone it, yeah. comes off? I well, mean,
0: you would you would hope so, but uh, clearly, clearly not. And um, I mean, it's good. Good thing it's summer in Canada because, you know, if it happened <laughs> in the middle of winter, I don't know yeah. what would, could have yeah. happened. But Absolutely. you would think, uh, uh, maybe if the plane isn't going anywhere that night, they're not checking or they don't do any cleaning the cleaning is done in the morning, I've got no idea. That but would be
1: an extremely traumatising scary. experience. And, you know, and there,
0: was no, there was no stairs to get off, so she was you had to call somebody legs dangling and oh
1: <laughs> gosh.
0: I'm laughing but it's, it's her- probably not really. It's horrendous. Really, it is horrendous.
1: Well we had some uh, very good news about aeroplanes today and that is that uh, the winner of the first prize of the Radiothon prize which was the two business class tickets on Virgin with uh, Virgin Australia and Velocity Points was won by Carl and we rang him during Saturday Magazine and he was very, very excited. Mm. So, that was great, great, great news. And uh, since then, I think we've been encouraged by some new donations and uh, memberships. So, yes. today, uh, Ben uh, Brian from Surrey Hills, uh, you have become uh, donated uh, $150. I, we are very, very appreciative of that. It is just fantastic. And we've had uh, a number of other memberships that have come on uh, over the last uh, few hours. Uh, so, we're very happy to continue on the work of supporting joy
0: um, and um, being the end of the financial year just you know we're all very happy to accept any donation and just as a reminder any donation over two dollars is tax deductible so it really is um, the time to donate
1: that's exactly yeah. right i am um, i've been doing a little bit of donating over the last couple of days so you've got mm. today and tomorrow yes to think about where you might want to put your money and as we all know and as the joy um promo goes this is a better way of spending your money than giving it to the government. So, uh, that was some good travel news this morning. Uh, what else have you got there, uh, Stefan, for us in travel news? Well, we,
0: we've been talking a lot in this Cape Hour about sustainable, sustainable tourism and, you know, the impact on plastic. And um, I don't know if you... I mean, you've been to Indonesia, I've been to Indonesia, and sometimes it's a little bit... Distressing, distressing to see what some tourists leave behind, and also what's oh, bring, brought back from by the sea, and not and just
1: and, um, tourists, but you know locals as well.
0: Mm, yes, and locals as well, absolutely. And and I, I go to Thailand a fair amount as well, and there's a lot of plastic being handed out handed mm. to people. Uh, but Bali, I've been um, making ways to try to reduce. Ocean,
1: ocean, ocean plastic.
0: Ocean plastic. Oh my god, that was difficult. By up to seventy percent. So they've teamed up with a, a Norwegian organization, and because less than half of the plastic is recycled on Bali, and when you see the, the amount of plastics being used in Indonesia and in Bali, it's it's a little bit um, it's a lot not being recycled, and it ends up a lot in the storm drains in the sea. Um, so they've teamed up with a. Norwegian company to try to increase the recycling and to try to have a more responsible approach to um, to managing plastic waste, which I think would be well, a good, um, I think that good thing. I, I
1: think that from a, a, a yes, the, the tourists and the people that visit Bali could be much more conscious. However, I also think that what they do need is quite a lot of, edu- or what would be helpful would be a greater education of uh, the local population. Because when I was in uh, some islands, not Bali, but some other the indonesian islands there's a lot of uh packaging around takeaway mm. food as we know and there was no rubbish being supplied at a large scale outdoor event and people were just throwing mm. their plastic on the ground and then it all just went into the storm water and it all just went out into the ocean
0: yeah which
1: uh, and also i mean the other p- part of the sad part about bali is that they inherit rubbish from other countries, yep, you know, it absolutely. just washes up on their yeah. beaches and it washes up from Java and, uh, you know, I think some of Australia's rubbish ends up there.
0: Probably, yeah. I mean, it's it's very close to, to the north of Australia, clearly. So, yes, um, but... So, any attempt at reducing these uh, plastic use and rubbish is a, is a good thing.
1: Absolutely. And I was also reading that... Um, well, of course, we had the uh, we had the lovely, lovely Cameron, uh, Cameron Mannix, Mannix on a couple mm. of weeks ago from Celebrity Cruises. Uh, certainly, there has been a recent study, um, some recent news on the uh, cruise ship. Um, Industry and what efforts they're making to uh, uh, decrease the waste that is produced by cruise ships and their um, uh, on the oceans. And according to a recent study, which I will just look up right now, there haven't there hasn't been enough leadership. From the various different cruise companies. Now mm. I know that we talked to Cameron yep. quite a bit about what they were doing, but it's n- it's not an industry-wide uh, development. I was going to
0: say it might need a coordinated approach and some sort of you know yeah coordination of our efforts because if everybody goes their own way.
1: Well, that's right. It has to be an industry-focused thing. So, uh, certainly, it's uh, Friends of the Earth. Uh, They are questioning the environmental impact. Their 2019 uh, edition of its cruise ship report card uh, documents the environmental footprint of uh, the cruise industry grading 16 cruise ships are uh, 185 ships so it's the first report they've done in about three years so they
0: rank them who's they the rank most them absolutely and
1: uh, they do uh, call uh, some for blatant illegal pollution now, Ladies and gentlemen, and listeners of Joy, I will allow you to um, go onto your favorite search engine if you are interested in cruising and you want to make sure that you're going with the sustain a a company that is doing the most to protect the oceans. uh, You can Google uh, that.
0: I think it's all down to your research and really having and your priorities as well. If that's a priority, it's definitely something you need to look into. Like, and I think we talked before about offsetting your carbon footprint, and some of us fly a lot and, you know, I don't know if you, when you book direct with most airlines, you've got this option, you tick a box and you can offset your, your carbon emissions and I know that not a lot of people do it, but it's probably a good, good thing to do. I mean, I Um, did
1: read recently that, you know, I mean, everyone wants to help the environment, but recently somebody, uh, a, a commentator said, if people were willing just to not fly, it would massively reduce the carbon footprint so as we're a travel show we'd like to remind everyone that there are other ways of transport i would love to spend more time traveling around train on this in mm, this country yes
0: well there's not there aren't a lot of options though for there's australia not
1: a lot of options and they are expensive, <laughs> expensive. so yes it is a vexed question that we mm. face
0: you're listening to a joycast from glb tiq community radio station joy 94.9
1: one of the world's most remote KFCs thinks it should have a Michelin star.
0: Oh, that's uh, now, a little bit of um, that's kind I- of outrageous. Interesting proposition.
1: Well, guess where this remote Michel- this remote uh, KFC is. Now, I would have thought it would have been in some far-flung country, but no. It's, oh, it's in Australia. It's in Australia. It's ours. It's in One of ours. Alice Springs. Oh dear. So, um, in Alice Springs, the gentleman who owns Al- the uh, Kentucky Fried in Alice Springs, uh, because it's so remote, he claims that uh, people come from 500 to a thousand kilometres away to eat his Kentucky Fried Chicken. No, no,
0: can we can we just go back there? Do you think they yeah. travelled a thousand kilometres just to eat to go and eat at that? special restaurant or it's incidental they just happen to have travelled a thousand kilometres
1: I think that (laughs) might be a bit incidental I mean I think that certainly it does make it it does make it a destination but I certainly think that destination uh, is is, you know the town is the destination rather than the the KFC yes
0: I, I would think so but
1: That's an interesting request. I mean, certainly, you know, uh, having a restaurant in a remote area would be challenging with getting food, fresh food delivered on a regular basis. But he says that, you know, they use chickens that are delivered every day um, and that, you know, there's some skill involved. Look, this story has gone viral. I mean, I'm checking out a story that's on Travel and Leisure, which is an American website. And um, he was uh, interviewed by uh, the Metro in the UK. So if you want to get attention...
0: But, I mean, it is remote, but I've been to Alice Springs Airport and there are at least 12, 14 flights a day in and out of there. So,
1: remote is is really, um, you know, it's relevant. (laughs) So, for example, if you were reading this article and you might be on the other side of the world, you would think that Alice Springs was really remote because, you know, it is a long way away from... Uh, a lot of places, but uh, you know there are a lot of remote communities that we that know don't
0: are have this kind of uh, air services. I- if you have
1: flights, mm. is it an international airport at no. Alice Springs?
0: it's it used to be. There was some um, when uh, Japanese tourism was really big in Australia. It uh, it it. A catered for some flights, charter flights from Japan, and I think recently it has, but no, mostly it's, it is domestic, mostly domestic now.
1: Now, uh, Stefan, you found another oh, quirky yes. in piece the, of in uh,
0: food and beverage news. In Germany, in a place called Austritz, um, they, the the local population banded together to prevent a neo-Nazi group from... Uh, having a gathering well they they organized a gathering this group called um shield the the festival called shield and sword um and it's a festival that has a reputation for being uh, far-right attended by far-right activists obsessed with um, nazi um, culture so the resident decided to buy all the beer from the local supermarket <laughs> So.
1: so good for them. I just love this story. So they bought all the beer so that when the when the neo-Nazis rolled into town, the far right right wingers, there was nothing for them yes. to drink except for soft drink.
0: Yes. So they already decided the ban on alcohol. So the, the pubs and p- places weren't allowed to sell alcohol, but there was still alcohol to be uh, buy, bought in supermarkets. So they decided to just buy everything.
1: What a great story. That is fantastic. And another uh, interesting story. Now, I mean, we like our comedians to sometimes be controversial. But Tom mm. Gleason's taken it to the next level. Oh. Tom Gleason, who is, of course, the comedian, uh, uh, ABC comedian, and he appears on things like Hard Chat and um, the Charlie Pickering a weekly show. He has roasted Sydney in his new, uh, I guess it's a, it's a satire travel show called Go Away, in the theme of you know over tourism, uh, but uh, he does not think that uh, Sydney should be one of the one of the best cities of the world. He's already roasted the towns of Kalgoorlie and his hometown of Melbourne. And cans, but uh, this uh, weekly segment now on uh, on ABC, he uh, highlights the city's dickhead population, vis- vis- uh, referring it to it. I don't know if I know if I can say this on air, Stefan, uh, and the giant cockroaches. So you know, mm. I think it's pretty uh, funny. Or maybe not. It really does depend. But um, I don't think he's going to put anyone off from visiting Sydney. But good try anyway, Tom. I think that you're not going to be making any friends. Well,
0: I thought uh, the Sydney authorities were doing a good job of preventing people from going.
1: Well, they're certainly (laughs) preventing people from having a good time. (laughs) Uh, But uh, that certainly is very controversial. Uh, He referred to Bondi as the Foster's Lager of Sydney Beaches. (laughs) That is actually
0: pretty funny. That is funny. That is pretty um, funny.
1: Yes. Um, now, of course. S- sad de- news there has been some sad news. Mm. As listeners may know, I was recently in Tunisia and I went to travel there with a small group of people and we met some amazing and wonderful people in Tunisia, including the Minister for Tourism, the Minister for Culture and of course the Australian Ambassador to Tunisia and Malta and we had an amazing time. Um, Unfortunately, during the week there was a a terrorist attack in the downtown strip of um, Tunis. I think there a couple of deaths and a couple of bombs, and it's a horrible... You know what, Stefan, it makes it so interesting is, you know, when you've been to a place and you've walked down that street... You know, whether it was a few weeks ago or a couple of years ago, and there's a horrific attack and something that's horrendous as this sort of thing, you it, it just makes you completely feel so differently about it when you've been to a place.
0: It, it puts it in a different perspective. because It happened to me in Sri Lanka. I was in one of the hotels two weeks before these bombings happened, mm. and you feel well. I was I was thinking well. I was there at that time having breakfast, so you know it, it puts. Put it in a different perspective, maybe a bit closer to, to home that it and can happen. And, and, and I
1: think that maybe the benefits of travel, aside from the fact that it's pollutionary, <laughs> uh, one of the benefits of travel, of course, is that it puts you in the lives and homes and uh, the day-to-day experiences of people in another city or another country. Mm. Yeah. And so you feel much more keenly when they are hit by uh, an experience like this. Um, yeah. I mean, the mm. Tunisian government, I would not... Um, I would not tell anyone to... I I would encourage people to go to Tunisia still uh, because, as we know, these uh, things happen around the world. It doesn't matter where you go, unfortunately. No,
0: it doesn't. And as long as, you know, I mean, obviously, keep an eye on the DFAT travel website um, for travel advisory. I mean, obviously, if the government is telling us not to go, then it might invalidate some of the travel insurance. Um, so it's always good to, when you're planning a trip, to have a look at the DFAT website, this Smart is, Traveller. This
1: is true, this is true. According to the um, their tourism minister, the attacks were against national security and nothing to do with tourists, uh, even though it was in uh, in sort of like the main, main centre of mm-hmm. Tunis. So it is unfortunate news. Um, with travel, you know what it was like when you're travelling. There's misadventures along the way. Um, I'm I feel for anyone that may have been caught up in those um, uh, attacks mm. during yeah. the week.
0: And no, no, absolutely, it, it's it's tragic to the local population, and it's. Has massive impact on tourism as well. A lot of the time, and that's yes. what we're trying to. Um,
1: and Tunisia is one is one of the few countries uh, that came out of the Arab Spring with a, uh, with an actually functioning democratic government. So it's a country uh, that is uh, looking to, you know, embrace democracy, and mm. we hope that they can continue to do so.
0: Thank you for listening to a Joycast from Joy ninety four point nine.